0: Music
1: yet. all right uh, welcome everyone to another one of my uh, youtube blog got at space 22 interviews and uh, once again i'm joined by uh, some people that i hold in very high regard and i've had on here before uh we have uh, well to my left on the screen i don't know where he is on everybody else's uh dr michael hanby uh we have dr david c schindler and both dr hanby and david c schindler teach at the John Paul II Institute of Studies on Marriage and the Family in Washington, D.C., and uh, they have a big hand also in the production of the journal uh, Communio, International Catholic Review. And uh, we also have um, this guy I had to Allow into the conversation, Dr. Rodney Hauser. Uh, no, actually, I'm very happy to have Rodney here, my former colleague and and uh, buddy. What Dr. Bill potier called the Larry and Rodney Show, which has sadly ended. Ten, ten, well, you know, it's, it's been, been
0: it's it's been resurrected online.
1: <laughs> yeah, online. We we can do it online, yeah. and we yeah. should we should do it more, Hauser. We should do it more. But it's been ten years. I've been on the Catholic Worker Farm now for ten years, and. I turned sixty-four two days ago, and every oh. one of my arthritic <laughs> bones is screaming that this farm idea was a really bad idea. <laughs> really Very bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank thank you. I'm I'm uh, I'll be dead soon, so you know, sixty-four. Death is clicking then at my you, heels. Then you can really celebrate. hopefully hopefully (laughs) thank thank god for david hart (laughs) because all right Uh, be saved (laughs) yeah yeah dare we hope that larry will be saved (laughs) (laughs) with larry (laughs) All right, enough, enough banter. One thing I hate are YouTube videos where people banter back and forth for 20 minutes before they get down to the point. Uh, We're going to, we're going to, it's going to be a very free-ranging conversation today, Uh, not one specific topic. We're going to deal with a lot of contemporary issues uh, in the church. Uh, I've been doing a lot of these kinds of interviews lately, and I've gotten some emails saying, hey, get off the stupid modern ecclesial problems kick. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's important. It's important. So I'm, we're going to begin tonight with a discussion of uh, everybody's favorite topic, synodality. And uh, what in the heck synodality means? Is synodality a good thing, a bad thing? Do we even know what in the heck Pope Francis means by it? Um, I'm not certain that I can figure out what he means by it. But we're going to begin the conversation with Dr. Michael Hanby first. So Dr. Hanby, Michael, I'm gonna put you on the spot because Dr. Hanby, uh, there was an issue of Comunito, not this uh, last one, but maybe two ago, that was on synodality. And I, I, I read several of the articles and one of them was by Dr. Hanby. What was the title of the article again, Michael? I, I, I meant to have it in front of me, but I don't.
2: Uh, I haven't. Uh... <laughs> to have it here because i thought i might i should perhaps look at it again if we're going to talk about this to remember what i think um synodality sociologism and the judgment of history
1: yes that was the title i thought it was an excellent article in fact uh i used many of the ideas there i lifted them for some articles i wrote for catholic world report i and um and so it was very actually helpful to me as a kind of Grundschrift for, for uh, building some ideas of my own. Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, so let's begin with you, uh, Michael. Let, let's just begin with, with a, a sort of fundamental question. Uh, what, what is synodality? Uh, steel man the argument here in a sense. Uh, is it a good thing for the Catholic Church to be synodal. We know Vatican II spoke of collegiality. Vatican II never once used the word, to my knowledge, synodality uh, to apply to the church. It was really simply about the relative authority of bishops vis-a-vis the papacy uh, and making sure that we understood that bishops had by ordination the right to teach, sanctify, and govern and that those things were not granted to them by the Pope that the, 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 there's by divine right. So that becomes a, the basis for collegiality. Uh, but that's not, it seems to me, what Pope Francis and others mean by synodality. And so why, why don't you just get us started by, by talking about that a little bit? Um, well, I wish I knew, uh, and I wish it were clear.
2: Um, I mean, we could... Uh, start uh, from the other end of the telescope, I suppose, and and, and, and judge the tree by its fruits. Um, and that's tempting, but I, I, I won't do that, um, uh, at least to begin. Um, one of the reasons that it's un, unclear is because, of course, synodality is being um, presented and promoted uh, uh, throughout um, Catholic media, I suppose, for lack of a better way of putting it, as the implementation at last of the ecclesiology of the council, the ecclesiology of the people of God. Um, Despite the fact that uh, at the time of the council, uh, synod synod still meant council um, and still referred to councils of bishops that were called on particular occasions to deal with particular problems, and the conversion of synod into the substantive synodality had not yet taken place. Um, all of that is new uh, and therefore provokes the question um, uh, that you're asking, what it is and, and what it means. Um, Pope Francis has uh, said that the very it is a constituent development of the church. Um, and the international theological commission issued uh, a fairly long document uh, a year or so ago trying to give theological flesh to the idea and i'll confess you know i i can only stand so much synodality so i don't i'm not necessarily up to speed on every uh, every utterance that um uh, has has been published about it. so it's quite possible um, that there have been substantive explications of the concept by Pope Francis or or, or others that I that I have missed, uh, but it seems to have been um, uh, a concept and a process. Uh, oftentimes, the term synodal is followed immediately by process uh, in search of uh, a theological rationale and and, and content. Um, And and, and even in the the, um, uh, ITC document itself, um, it shifts very quickly from a kind of exegetical and theological justification for this new use of the concept into a kind of uh, sociology of religion in which certain ecclesial uh, structures and processes like parish and financial councils, uh, for example. Uh, and the, the, the various kinds of listening processes, I think it refers to it as a style, I have to go and there's a, there's a threefold schema that I don't have immediately to hand, um, uh, that begins to sort of uh, explicate the idea in kind of sociological terms, which raises the concern um, uh, articulated well in advance of this by Benedict XVI is that what it represents perhaps unwittingly uh, is a sociological rather than a theological understanding of the church and of course a th- sociological rather than a theological understanding of the church wouldn't just be about the church implicit in that would be uh uh certain implications for the doctrine of god uh it goes all the way up and so what many people myself included find concerning um about the way this synodal process appears well there are many things that are concerning about the way the processes have unfolded around uh the world and I, I assume we'll talk a bit about that um uh yeah. Yeah. but but one of the things that's most deeply concerning about it apart from the kind of empirical and political dimensions is um the kind of self-understanding that it would imply for the church and uh the possibility that it might um uh contribute to the problem diagnosed by john paul ii uh contribute unwittingly to the problem. Pro- diagnosed by John Paul II and Benedict XVI, uh, namely the eclipse of the sense of God and man in the modern world. Um, I was going to give you, I was going to answer your question with uh, a description um, that I have here in this article. from Massimo Fagioli, uh, that I would think would confirm all of my fears. Uh, it would take me a minute to find it. So perhaps Dave wants to weigh in on this while I look, while I look for it.
1: You look for the maximum beans quote, and then we'll come, come down to, uh, <laughs> we'll come down to Dr. Schindler and then maybe back to Michael, then down to Hauser and we'll get around the, so, uh, David, go ahead. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, uh,
0: you know, if if synodality is meant to, to uh, you know recollect the the census uh, fideli and and you know a, a, an idea that that um, the church is more than just its leaders um, but but uh, a community but people of God and so forth. I mean, the, the problem is all of the all of these dimensions have always been uh, part of the church from the beginning and and you know have gotten a certain emphasis. At Vatican II, post Vatican II, um, you know, there's a there's a, a, a profound affirmation of this in the notion of communio, which has been uh, central to ecclesiology in the you know Vatican II, post Vatican II era. Um, that articulation, of course, uh, has um, uh, very intentionally sought to preserve uh, the traditional. Notions that it's not a replacement for traditional notions, but very much a, um, a development of, of of implicit dimensions and so forth that are in the traditional notions. So, in other words, you know, preserves the continuity of of, of tradition. So, the idea that you would then have to, in order to affirm uh, the sense of the of the faithful or something like that, or a sense of of the church's community, that you have to to introduce a new concept. Um, is already, uh, I think, provokes a certain skepticism. Now, I, I do think that that it would be possible to try to read it in terms of the tradition, and you know, um, insofar as the term is imposed on us, I think we, we we're obligated to try to to do that as far as we can. But 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 clearly, in 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 making that attempt, we're we're fighting against a certain drift, and. Um, you know, the, the, the drift, I don't want to change the subject here or redirect the conversation. No, no go because ahead,
1: because we can always go back to Michael. That's fine. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I do. But I just, just to mention this, I, I mean, it, it seems to me that, that, that what we're witnessing is um, a kind of a confirmation of a, a theory that I've uh, proposed about the relationship between the church and the political community, which is that there's inevitably going to be an analogy between those. And insofar as you don't recognize that and develop a sense of political community that actually has a certain um, ecclesiological dimension, uh, uh, if, you, if you, or to put it, let me put it in a more negative sense, uh, to the extent that you have a purely secularized sense of what a political community is, that will inevitably um, set the horizon for how you interpret the church. And it seems to me this is basically what we have. We're witnessing here the fruition of this point when modern liberalism as a political form, uh, so fully governs the horizon of our thinking that we, we are not able to make sense of the traditional notions of the church and, and, and instead um, uh, in, in ways that we think are being are, you know we attribute to the Holy Spirit, um, we're, we're, we're recasting the whole in, in ways that really betray, um, Catholicism. They betray the incarnation. They, they, they betray the fundamental um, mysteries of the faith.
1: So I'm glad you brought up Comunio, and then we're going to go back to Michael and then down to Rodney, because one of the things Michael does bring out in his article as well is that, uh, you know, Comunio presumes. For- first and foremost, a participation in the Trinitarian life of God. This is what makes us the people of God, first and yeah. foremost. That's the theological concept of the church. Right. But the the misuse of the people of God metaphor is a purely sociologistic category along the lines of a secular polity, as, as you've just sort of uh, explains why these questionnaires, like God's doing a new thing. Look at what people are saying, um, is, is just utterly, it's, it's, it's a novelty. That, that's never been in the church before, it, yeah. in my view. But anyway, Michael, did you find the it facility... did,
2: Although it's tempting to abandon that and and go search for the quote from the International Theological Commission, where uh, Communio is situated within the ecclesiology of the people of God, reversing the order of Lumen Gentium, and mm-hmm. where it says that these various procedures and structures, etc., is where our communion is made real, which is, you know, quite an astonishing thing. Yeah, um, and wow. one could one could uh, and, uh, let me. I, I'm reciting that from memory, so let me qualify that by saying I don't want to you know misattribute um, uh, uh, a,
0: a grave problem to the but ITC. The, but the problem is that, that not only is that sociology, it's bad sociology. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. well,
2: that's another. I mean.
0: I mean, when you start pulling the thread of
2: the problems here, the whole the whole sweater comes unwound. I mean, we know, uh, unwound. We could um, uh, start talking about the defects in the in the social science methodology used. To to, I mean, there are all sorts of things. but I did find the 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 the, the quote, um, and I think this actually illustrates um, uh, Dave's point, which I take to be substantially uh, the same as mine. You know, from a different angle, that this is the you know that the, the, the understanding of the of of the church um, is the counterpart uh to a conception not only of the political order but really of the whole of reality in essentially secular terms yeah. as, as effectively yeah. evacuated from the divine presence of the divine presence so that your basic modes of apprehending thinking about uh, and, uh the world are functionally atheistic and then yeah. god if it, 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 it's an extrinsicism from below yeah. right yeah. it's an imminent extrinsicism yeah. and then you call in the holy spirit from without um uh in a kind of uh, as a kind of add-on to that um this might illustrate this so so this is Pajoli from a a, a 2021 commonweal article called whose synodality he says um Synodal church means ecclesial processes that are less centered on the clergy and more open to the leadership of the laity, especially women. But the big question is, who and what are the driving forces of synodality? And the answer is complex. What are the social alliances at the center of ecclesial synodality in the 21st century? What classes or class fragments are aligned with the church turning to synodality? What sections of the church or specific actors are at the center of the synodal movement? What organizations and networks? Um, where's the theology in that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where is there any question about the reality of God, about the the, the nature of the church? I mean, it's it's all processes, functions, um, uh, distributions of authority and power among different groups, uh, different alliances played off against each other it seems to me an utterly um eminentist um, political and and functionally atheistic conception of the church now that's just for i'm not but 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 he has has essentially um appointed himself um, as the interpreter and promoter of, of of synodality he's absolutely relentless about it i mean it's it's it's, it's an essay a day, so if this is what synodality, and, and he doesn't seem to get much pushback from his friends, so if this is what synodality means, and in one sense, this is such a powerful sort of media and social phenomenon that, that it, it it's going to swamp whatever it is that the church actually decides anyway, right? Yeah. So if this is what synodality is, um, uh, tell me, you know, save it for me by locating the actual theological content of it in a way that is consistent with or can be interpreted in the light of um not only the way the church has traditionally understood itself but in the light of lumen gentium properly understood right this, this is with, this is this represents the the, the tell of the council <clears throat> so where's yeah. the 90 1985 you know special senate interpreting lumen gentium etc cetera, etc
1: yeah and once comes all of a sudden, the progressive discovery of ultramontanism. I mean, if, if you if you oppose all of this stuff, you well, you're against Pope Francis. How dare you're not a very good Catholic? You're you 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 are opposing something that Pope Francis. I mean, do, do people like the National Catholic Reporter think we don't have memories? The chutzpah of these people to suddenly start saying, you know, after they savaged, absolutely savaged, Paul the John Paul II, you know, Pope Benedict routinely every month in their publications now all of a sudden it's like oh you have to obey the pope anyway that's my soapbox rodney you have been on the margins so uh what say ye sir uh yeah i mean this is
3: yeah i mean where do you even start right um but it's uh yeah i've been i've been i was reading a book with some students this semester by christopher dawson called religion and culture yeah super interesting book and And, you know, his whole thesis is that with the exception of modern liberalism, every civilization on the face of the earth is the product of a religion which gives birth to a culture, which which then gives rise to a civilization. And there's a sort of organic connection in those sorts of civilizations and cultures uh, between sort of ordinary people on the one hand and then the priests, prophets, and kings that sort of, uh, you know, have special roles in those societies on the other there's a sort of both from above and from below uh, element to it because religion is sort of natural to human beings, and and, uh, and and there's just you know there's this you know natural desire to kind of make stations of the sacred in time and in space and you know et cetera et cetera, and this is why Chesterton can kind of wax you very positive about the common man and common sense over the kind of the educated elite, which are usually crazy, and, and we can kind of trust ordinary people but but sort of the situation we've gotten ourselves into in modernity is the ordinary people when you consult ordinary people you're no longer consulting people who are the members of a culture which is born out of a he- kind of healthy religious tradition you're these people have been utterly brainwashed mm-hmm. uh, by the propaganda of the media, uh, you know, it, it's a pervasive, uh, you know, one-sided uh, depiction of everything. So when you ask, you know, what does the average Catholic think about X, Y, or Z, you know, you're, you sort of think you're just getting uh, this neutral uh, uh, opinion. You're not gonna, you're gonna get the opinions that I can totally predict what opinions you're gonna get. I, right. mean, I get from my students on, on, a, on a regular basis. And it's because they've been indoctrinated indoctrinated by another clergy and that's yeah. what's missing here there's this some notion that there's sort of the big old bad hierarchical church you know with all of its dogmas and heavy-handed one you know kind of top down thing and now we need to hear from the people as if we're going to hear from the people i mean right. that's 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 the problem it seems to me so there's a real naivete here about the possibility of democratizing the church and therefore hearing from the common man—that's that's gone.
0: I mean, we we don't have that anymore. Ronnie, who are the the other clergy? Could you could you sort of describe that? That's a really intriguing proposal. National Public
3: Radio, um, <laughs> you know, late night comedy, you know, it, it's, influencers. It's, yeah, no, that's right. Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oprah yeah. Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it's, think about how yeah. influential, yeah. like these guys now that are like yeah. the Johnny Carson's of our day. Now I don't even know who they are anymore. But these people are extremely ideological and extremely influential on the younger generation because yeah. they on yeah. they just systematically make fun yeah. of anybody who doesn't kowtow to the latest trends. Um, that uh, you know, that, that that's it, David. I think th- those are those yeah. are they play the role of clergy now. Yeah
2: rodney have you i'll ask the questions here larry if you don't mind um no yeah
1: this is great Rodney, am just you gonna read sit by i'm just gonna sit back
2: <laughs> have Go you read it. by chance the the or any of you for that matter um the the national synthesis of the uh discussions produced by the usdcb
3: <laughs> unfortunately i began to read them yes yeah um, yeah it's
2: exactly what you described i mean so many of us could have written them in advance i mean granted granted if you look i mean you know david talked about the flaws in the sociology if you looked at the uh i don't have my synodal terminology uh down pat but if you looked at the uh the the materials produced prior to the paris parish listening sessions the facilitator uh uh guides and the various questions in the study guides and so forth, then it was obvious what answers were going to be elicited. The the questions were constructed to elicit a certain kind of answer, Um, um, as these things tend to be. Um, But it's remarkable the extent to which you you could have written this thing. I mean,
0: it and and for all we know, somebody advanced
1: what the Holy Spirit was going to say. <laughs> well, this, this, what, what, what David just pointed out is a joke, I, but he means it seriously too one of the, I'm, I'm so cynical about this process, I think we always need to be aware, not only were these questions and stuff asked and very non there they're, they're well-established, right, the, s- the science of sociological sort of poll-taking and stuff that, that were not followed in any way, shape, or form, but on top of that, these, don't tell me that these, that the answers to these questions have not been heavenly, heavily curated, by, by sure. the people that are in charge of this process. In fact, I know, I, I read an article that said that there were students that were involved in the process in Philadelphia, who complained and complained loudly when they saw the summary that came out and said, we, we our voices are nowhere found in, in that dialogue. There yeah. were lots and lots of more traditional minded kids there that were saying X, Y, Z, the church doesn't need to <laughs> cave into the culture, you know, the whole thing. And their comments did not show up anywhere. Uh, so this, this whole process, it seems to me, is a conclusion in search of an argument. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I think that the, the fix is in, and it's also, and, then, and we'll go back to Rodney, because I want to hear more about the modern clergy thing too. Um, uh, is this not also, maybe it's just a, a fault of Western media reporting. But it, it seems to me that the whole process, the questionnaires, the listening sessions, is all weighted in the direction of, of the first world. I, I haven't heard much coming out of Asia, out of Africa, uh, what's going on there, Eastern Europe. I haven't heard anything that all, all I've heard is about the Germans, the French, the Americans, the Australians, you know. Um, so I, I'm wondering to what I mean, and look at all the issues that are raised. Those are all first world, first world concerns, secular concerns. Right.
2: You don't think the spirit is just spontaneously moving everyone on the globe
1: to be concerned
2: about LGBTQ accompaniment?
1: <laughs> no, no, I do not. Uh, but, 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 you know, the spirit can do a new thing. So,
2: you know, there's there's um it, this. I, it would be very easy uh, to go mockingly down this road. I've been going around muttering to myself all day. uh, uh Measured and moderation. Measured and moderation. <laughs> uh, to, um, but, uh, you know, it, it's probably helpful to distinguish between um, uh, the theology of synodality, such as it is, yeah, uh, and the synodal process as it is taking place. Those might or might not be the same thing. Uh, and I'm with Dave. I think we're under a kind of obligation, uh, since this has been imposed upon us, to try and... and uh, interpret the the theology, if we can find it, um, in a way that's consonant with the tradition. Um, Having noted that, I'm going to set that aside and talk about the process for a minute. Um, You know, I've I've been through the synthesis a couple of times fairly quickly. Um, uh, The word accompaniment comes up over and over and over again. Um, to To the best that I can see, and it's possible that I've missed it, um, the word truth does not. Right. <laughs> I don't think it's in the document. Meanwhile, the spirit that we're supposed to be discerning through this process uh, used to be called the spirit of truth. And, you know, there are so many questions already of a theological order raised by, by this process that are not being asked, not being rigorously thought about at all. You know, that it's difficult to imagine that a process that is so... Um, Intellectual. This seems so intellectually unserious. Could be spiritually serious,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know. And 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 you know, traditionally speaking, um, the point of discernment, you know, if you think of the discretio spiritum of the monastic tradition uh, and even the um, the Ignatian tradition. Traditionally speaking, the point of discernment is to disentangle the voice of God um, from these other voices, from the world, the flesh, the devil, to put it traditionally, or from myself. I mean, it's a very, very rigorous exercise. Um, uh, it requires prayer and penance. Yeah. A very difficult one to discern, um, uh, uh, the voice of God and to prevent my own conflating the voice of God with some
0: other motivation. Um, where is that rigor? That, no, that's a great, that's a great, point. I mean, you would, you would think that that would be, that that question would have to be raised at a certain point. Um, is this the voice of the world or the, you know, in the, in the traditional sense or the voice of God and how do we distinguish between the two? I mean, just to, to raise that question and, and, and the thing is, I mean, that, that question isn't raised and, and to, to just, just thinking of it now, I mean, it cuts so much against the drift of in the whole, you know, what we also recognize is the point of it to raise that that question would would completely undermine why it was begun in the first place. And that it, you know that should give us pause.
2: Is it even an imaginable possibility that, that in this process of discernment we may discover that we are wrong and that right. the spirit is telling us something else? Yeah. And and not only is that question not asked, David, I mean, if you look at the facilitator questions, you know the the, the questions that the, at least in the U.S. or at least in uh, an archdiocese whose name I won't mention, um, uh, the the question that the facilitator is supposed to ask the dis- discussion group one is, "Where did you hear the voice of God speaking to you today?" It's an invitation
0: mm-hmm.
2: to conflate um, the voice of God with whatever whatever you're mind. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, you know you take two steps back and it's just really hard to believe that it's come to this.
1: Yeah. Indeed, indeed, I, uh, I I I said earlier that it, the process seems to me to be a conclusion in in, set, uh, in search of uh, a set of arguments, and part and parcel it seems to me of what of what that conclusion is. Is a desire to completely and then so let's move the conversation forward a bit as to what the ultimate aims of this are. In my opinion, it's a complete overhauling of the moral theology of the church. Yeah. Um, obviously, there are ecclesiological implications and so on, as, as you pointed out. But I, I think the primary target is the is the moral theology of the church on a whole range of issues, which means that one of the targets is the papacy of John Paul. Yeah. One of one of the targets is veritas splendor and evangelium vitae. So, uh, Rodney, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to you and have you comment on that, and then and then I want to hear what Dave has to say about that.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I think that's absolutely right. the 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 issue is clearly and 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 now I mean, I'll just I'll I'll since I'll speak before Dave, but I'm going to draw on Dave's work. Is when you reverse the priority of potency and act, you create a nightmare, right? So, so, so the 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 issue, and then of course there's a whole uh, philosophy and theology of freedom entailed there, right? But so if I if I if I think the truth is 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 beautiful and splendid, right? And I lay out the truth in no uncertain terms. Um, I'm doing so because I want to. Place the proper barriers around finite freedom that it needs to flourish as the sort of thing it is, right? So, so um, if I if I think that somehow truth is a threat to freedom, then I have to sort of like say, oh well, who's to say and who's to know? And we, you know, we you know, we you get all the kind of epistemic humility and all this this stuff. Um, well, you sort of know where freedom's going to go when it has no talos right it's 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 going to degenerate right and that and that's exactly i think where we are there's been a tendency in the last several years uh, of of the church to talk about uh you know all these things but exactly what michael said don't dare talk about truth because that's heavy-handed it's hair splitting it's you know it's it's you know it's it's, it's pharisaical it's pharisaical yeah absolutely. rigid <laughs> but I'm just this is just a quick example, and then I'll 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 be done. Um, I was reading an article the other day in the BBC, right? Uh, uh, or I was I was reading it online, but it was from the BBC. Uh, and this the headline is, "Millennials in Sexless Marriages." Oh, right? I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, what's this about? This is anything
1: about sex always draws my attention. (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 I was like, I got to I got to check this out because I had a feeling what it was going to say. And I was and it was right up my alley. Right. So what's happening, of course, is that 28 to 32, whatever millennials are, they're in that ballpark around 20 to 32, give or take, um, are, are increasingly not having sex within marriage, right? Because they're married, but they're not having sex. And then you ask the question, why? And of course, I already know the answer why, but of course the BBC is gonna take a long, long time to get there because they <laughs> don't wanna, they don't wanna admit the answer why, right? <laughs> because, but they finally- pornography. Yeah, that's exactly right. They finally get to the, the, the point where they're saying, well, it does seem that there seems to be a, a disinterested in, in sex unless there's pornography, but you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So now here's the deal, right? The, the, the church's prescriptions around human sexuality are not there in order to kind of ruin or do away with sex, right? They're, they're there to, to make sex flourish in a, in a proper context and all these things, right? But this is proof in the pudding, right? Take all the barriers away <laughs> and you don't just like lose like heaven and the afterlife and God, you, you lose sex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the So, the, hey, give the people what they want. But the problem is it's not even at the end of the day what they want. So it's a false right. mercy because you're yeah. telling people go ahead and eat chocolate before dinner and you'll still be hungry for dinner. No, you won't. Right. it's, it's <laughs> I mean, that's what's going on. Right. It's a it's a it's a fear of laying down any absolutes in the interest of human flourishing. But human beings don't flourish apart from
1: a goal. I mean, that's a point Pope Benedict made when he said, "Unless eros culminates in agape, you end up losing eros yes, as well." Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, everybody instinctively knows that. I mean, the, the you know, ostensibly, the um, I, I Larry, I think you're you're right. It, it is really interesting how the the moral question. I mean that that seems to be where things, um, you know, where uh, where the rubber hits the road, or or you know. It, I, it, it was it's always been fascinating to me in an earlier generation you know Humane Vitae was always the question and and uh you think you know why would this issue you, know, you think of all the mysteries of the church but for some reason that that actually bears um some reflection if a person uh takes a certain position on that question you know what they hold about all the mysteries of the church. For some reason, <laughs> it, it sort of, it, it, yeah. it um, yeah. there's a, there's a connection there that that that's always fascinating. But the, but the the um uh, uh, ostensibly it seems to me the the reason for the drive to to um, uh, uh, lower the bar and and kind of relax norms and so forth. Is to, is to express a certain sympathy and openness uh, to the world so that you know there's a sort of apologetic dimension and initially at the at the beginning of Francis's pontificate I mean everybody was talking about the expectations there's going to be this extraordinary wave of con- con- uh, conversions and people coming back to the church and of course none of that is panned out now it, you know, it's interesting. This is anecdotal, but I think it's representative. I had, I had a, uh, um, a friend in college, a brilliant uh, philosopher, and he and I would argue all the time these great debates about the existence of God and so forth. Um, I saw him a few years later, and he, you know, he was he was telling me he never he never um, he never came back to the, actually. Apparently, things are a, a ambiguous now. But um, at one point, he almost did take the step into the church and I asked him what it was and he said it was Humane Vitae and I said what 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 do you mean and he said that the the position that the church takes on that question could have no other reason I mean that the the church was not winning any um, uh, friends in taking that position the only possible reason is because it's true and and you know, and that that made a huge impression on him. So, uh, you know, that that's intriguing. And, and and of course, we could we could we could all have thousands of examples of, of it's you know, uh, l- lowering the bar and therefore not attracting anyone, as opposed, you know, it's the it's the stricter orders that are attracting people. And so, all there there are thousands of examples. Okay, uh, just one last point, if I may. Then why why in the world uh, is there this move, if in fact we all recognize it it actually doesn't have a strong apologetic implication uh, it, now one doesn't want to you know I don't want to send this off in a kind of <laughs> conspiracy theory sort of thing but but you can't help but think that what drives it is not so much attracting other people as it is sort of justifying oneself as a kind of um, there, there, there's a there's a and you know and I, and I don't I don't mean to make any sort of judgments but um, Uh, or, you know, any particular individuals, but, but it seems so much of this is, is a way of uh, relieving the pain, the pangs of conscience, and um, justifying commitments that one can't quite get out of for whatever reason, and so forth. And we all, we all have had experiences of that in our own life, we all recognize it. But I, I wonder if that's a deeper motivation than this, um, trying to bring the world on board. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I just I think that's absolutely correct in some ways because the the idea that it's going to attract people to the church is demonstrably, provably, you know, incorrect. By the, the example of Protestant denomination. I mean, you look at the of German course. synodal way, everything that the Germans seem to want, the Protestants in Germany already have. And the Lutherans, for example, in Germany are actually in worse shape than, than, than the Catholic Church. So it's an ecclesial oh, yeah. idea that's been tried and failed. So clearly, I think they know that. I, I, I think to a certain extent, you're right about, you know, they're, they're trying to work something out. I would add to that, that... <clears throat> I I think that there's a certain kind of person that cannot live within the universe of cognitive dissonance very long. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, but the the cognitive dissonance between traditional Catholicism and and the, and the priesthood of the secular world that Rodney was talking about. And and so it's just easier to sort of wave the white flag and say, you know, we're come on, we're just like you guys. And and to be invited to the tea party. And I, I think, I think that's got a lot to do with it as well, Michael. What, what, do you, what do you want to add to this? Well, I
2: wanted I wanted to pick up on something that that, that both you and 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 well, that all three of you said really is an issue that we're orbiting around. I mean, you began this phase of the discussion by uh, talking about the erasure of humani vitae, veritas splendor, um, Evangelium vitae, et cetera, uh, and and characterize that as a kind of contesting. Um, um, or uh, uh, of, on, the, on the grounds of moral theology. Um, and I, I, I think it's interesting to ask and probe a little bit more about uh, what that would mean or contesting in the name of what. Um, you know, I wrote a piece a few years ago. Um, I was all hot and bothered for first things called a false paradigm, where I took um, a look at the meaning and people were banding around this idea that we were in the middle of a paradigm shift. Um, uh, you know, a term that they take uh, from Thomas Kuhn's structure of scientific revolutions. Um, And people use that language without really thinking about uh, what they're doing or what it means. Uh, But if you look at the notion of a paradigm shift and you think of um, uh, what takes place when one moves from one paradigm to the other um it's not that there are a certain set of questions in the one paradigm that the second paradigm answers and that therefore the shift takes place because the second has defeated the first the shift takes place because the second has managed to change the subject Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that therefore the questions that were once asked are simply no longer questions anymore and i wonder whether i mean when you look at for example again the national synthesis um the tension that, that, that Rodney brought up between freedom and truth, between what the church teaches and the experience of people's lives, and the, and the, the idea that these are at odds with one another is there from beginning to end, and it's explicit. Um, and, um, uh, and yet, that, that, that situation is not confronted with moral theology. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if one moral theology is being substituted for another. It's being confronted with the language of therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a yeah. sort of therapeutic pastoralism you know you know you can argue that i mean I'm, I'm sure there's a richer theological meaning to accompaniment but it degenerates into therapeutics into therapy speak very quickly <laughs> right um and it's a therapy and it's a therapeutic mode that is of course detached from any real questions of truth you know what human flourishing actually is what the human being actually is what human love actually is etc um um it's how to, to reconcile me with my authentic self, or what have you. And so, when I notice in um, this document um, or in other uh, synodal discussions, the complete absence um, of the language of truth. The very, you know, the the, the fact that the thought does that, that the thoughts being articulated don't even seem to appeal to true and false as categories, but rather uh, to some kind of functionality or or means and you know. You can think of different substitutes experience. for true and false, yeah. friend, enemy, means, end, etc., etc., etc. If what you're suggesting is right, Larry, that that there is in a certain sense an erasure of of uh, the moral theology of John Paul II and Benedict, Benedict XVI, I would suggest that it's actually just the erasure of moral the it's the erasure of theology, moral theology. Yeah. theology, yeah, theology. You know, yeah. in, in, in which thinking about the, the, that what is true has any impact right. um, on how we understand the world and how we live in it right yeah yeah that seems yeah. to be the thing that that, that, that um, is going into eclipse here right
1: um, but I will also say that the issues see I, I think you're completely right about that by the way uh, the issues seem to be focused in the area of gender and sexuality which are of course our first world concerns uh because notice how dogmatic they get morally speaking on a whole range of other issues uh from from environmentalism climate change racism sexism homophobia yeah you know then all of a sudden they they get they get absolutely dogmatic in their own uh, in their own moralisms uh, it's about the sex, stupid. That's 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 what they're after here, which is why they're whenever I read and they say, well, we have to deal with the complex circumstances of people's lives. What they mean is sex and irregular relationships. In other words, immoral relationships that people are in that they don't want to call it that. Um, so, yeah. So I, I'm not disagreeing with what you said. I, I'm taking it a little bit in, 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 a, in a different direction. I, I would ask to the question of, it seems to me that lurking behind a lot of this is a fundamental. To go back to the issue of theology, by the way, the word Christ and Jesus; those words are not mentioned very much in the documents either. You mentioned truth isn't mentioned very much. Neither I don't is mentioned yeah, at all. Yeah, Christ, Jesus, nowhere. Uh, so, but that, that gets to the, the point I want to make here, which is, I mean, how does Christ come to us? in a sense there's a problem of mediation here it mm-hmm. seems to me a fundamental misunderstanding of how it is that this the spirit is mediated to us through time and history and what those mediating structures and institutions are theologically speaking um, Dave do you, you want to talk on that a little bit am I am i all wet in that oh no no
0: I mean and and uh... You know, if you if you reflect on the matter, um, uh, it's 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 interesting um, that you bring that up. I at at one point um, in conversation with uh, friends many many years ago, uh, I, I I was pressed to to um, identify what was distinctive about Catholicism in you know in comparison to other religions because typically people just have the sense of there are an infinite number of religions, and everyone, you know, and the, that that's obviously not true. But um, uh, there's something, um, you know, religions make very distinctive claims, and they can, they can actually be considered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what is the distinctive claim of Christianity and the, and and Catholicism in particular? And uh, what occurred to me is is it really is the principle of mediation yeah, yeah. Um, that that is 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 the heart of the matter. Um, uh, how, you know, how do we come to the Father? It's through Christ. Um, how do we come to Christ, you know, through Mary, through the church? Um, what's our relationship? It's, 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 it's mediated through the priest, through the sacraments. Um, and there, there's something, uh, I think, incredibly profound about what that reveals about the nature of love, the nature of God, the nature of grace, um, why it is that um, it's not um, injected in kind of an immediate way, or you know, I- individually um, in isolation into you know uh, directly into into a person's heart. But there's that that one that one receives, one enters into relation always through another. Um, there's, there's something, I think there's something about the meaning of love and all of that. Now, if that, if that's the case, uh, then, then that your observation is really, a, a radical one, uh, Larry, that, that, um, if, if the principle of mediation is being rejected here, then you could say what's really being rejected is, is Christianity, you know, yes. what precisely what makes Christianity different from everything else and specifically Catholic Christianity. But, you know, Catholic Christianity is just it's is Christianity. I mean, I, I know you, you um, uh, Rodney, this is your area here, but uh, one would have to spell that Absolutely. out but I mean you know it's 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 um, uh, and 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 that's that's extraordinary when that is the way the church is expressing herself to the world now is in this rejection, this this forgetfulness of what precisely makes, Christianity, Christianity. Yeah,
1: yeah, we need to go read Peggy again. Uh, it's great—the last issue yeah. of Communio on mediation. Great article by Jennifer Martin um, yeah. on Pe- yeah. Peggy and, and the carnality of the mediation that takes you place. Know,
0: Larry, just uh, just say say that
1: again because I everybody needs to read Charles Piggy.
0: I I, I think he really is um, uh, a figure that needs to be recovered and and holds the. The response to so many of the problems that face us now—he's so relevant I, he, now. He is, uh he, you know, and and he he's overlooked. I I really think he is one of the great heroes of the church.
1: Yeah, right. I couldn't right. agree I more with
0: would... to that as well.
1: Oh uh, well, yeah, you you get two thumbs up on Blondel <laughs> from 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 this quarter, uh, yeah. Rodney. Well, you want I, to say yeah. something?
3: I would I would love to. Yeah, because I think that 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 following on what Dave just said. Um, this is absolutely where everything is, is, is kind of coming to a, to a head right now, it seems to me, is it, 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 this, the, 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 the sea change in the church that I, that I see is, is, is this, that John Paul II and, and Pope Benedict wanted to include people to the church by evangelization. It's gonna sound super simple, but it's just that that's just what they were trying to do, right? So through the teaching office of the church, they were trying to include people into the church by through through inviting them to convert to this wonderful, beautiful, true thing, right? Liberalism, it seems to me, is kind of almost the perfect antithesis to Catholicism, insofar as it suggests that the way to include people in is precisely. To to downplay truth, yeah. Right? So this is, what I mean, this is what deism is. Deism is, a, is an attempt to reduce the faith to an absolute minimum of things that are self evident, so that everybody can be included, right? So, Larry, you were talking about the fact that, like, we know this from like the United Church of Christ. Like, how many how many members of the you know, it's 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 pathetic, right? So we're it's like the Germans are heading in the UCC direction which is a direction where you're going to be, have no members. Right. I don't think they, I think they know this, Larry, and I don't think they care because I literally think that they don't want people to convert to Catholicism. They don't need people to come to the physical church, which mediates uh, salvation to us because they wanted to already say in advance that everybody's already saved. Mm-hmm. They're saved because we're all, you know, united in some other thing. Uh, whatever that might be, right? Uh, But that's it, right? So so it it really seems to me not just like a difference of emphases. Let me me stop you a second.
1: Yeah, yeah. What you're saying is that not that they think that everyone might eventually be saved through a process of purification. They're already saved. Absolutely. In other words, they already possess salvific grace and they don't need the church for that. It's a world of grace, Larry.
2: (laughs) all is
1: grace all is
2: grace all is grace can can, can i make one other observation about all of this apropos of nothing um and it it's not uh terribly incisive philosophically or ontologically or theologically um but it's just a general observation from everything uh from you know Pajoli and ivory on the one hand to the itc document on the other hand to the three hands the uh Uh, the the National Synthesis, Um, as a body of work, as a body of literature, as a body of thought, and a body of thought that's supposedly all about the discernment of of the spirit, I've never read anything more spiritless in my life. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, The uh, artwork. I mean, mean, it it, it is just Uh, suffocatingly mediocre. Yeah. Well, you've seen the mediocre. There is nothing noble or beautiful, or I mean, set that over against, set it side by side with Piggy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and, and and let beauty tell you which one is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know.
1: Just look at the artwork that they put out, which is a recrudescence of <laughs> 1970s felt better. The, the the one thing that came out with the woman in the vestments and the guy in the pride shirt, the only thing missing was the rotary phone on the wall and an eight track tape player in the background. I mean, I mean come on. Uh, how? I mean, that is ideologically ugly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, yes, it's,
0: yes.
2: You, can't, you one has to try to 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 produce something so utterly devoid of form and beauty and depth and anything that you know makes christianity m- mystical or beautiful or great yeah. I, I mean i can't think of a more suffocating image but quite apart from its you know <laughs> deeply questionable ideological content um um it's that when I said at the beginning that, that this whole thing makes me very sad um, and, and, and depressed, and that it's hard to believe that, that, that the church that, that we've come to this, that something as beautiful and great and transcendent and deep and mystical as as the church could be reduced to this utterly horizontal.
1: Okay, so the, 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 the to me yeah. is,
2: is the, 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 the thing that actually is existentially
1: painful about it. I'm going to that uh, in the light of that, and, and this is something that I think uh, I, I get emails about th- this all the time. I want to put you, Michael and Rodney on the spot here if you don't mind. You're both converts to the faith. And I get emails all the time from people who have converted from Protestantism to Catholicism to say, I didn't leave Protestantism to rediscover it again in, in the Catholic Church. Uh, and, and there are a lot, of, a lot of converts who I think are, are really sad, like you, but sad. They're disappointed. They're, they're, and I hate to sound therapeutic, but they're, they're bleeding. They're wounded. They're, they don't know where to go. Because now they're rediscovering that the Catholic Church isn't the sort of rock that they thought it was, and so on and so forth. So, Rodney, you've been a Catholic now for 20-some years or whatever it is, maybe longer. I don't know. We'll start with you. If you don't mind answering that question, I mean, does it piss you off?
0: <laughs> a-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Viscerally, yes.
3: I mean, I get, yeah. That, I mean, that's what you're precisely— And this is what I I kind of, you know, think about converts in a sense is, uh, and and this is why I think Chesterton is so amazing. Like he, he's raised in a latitudinarian liberal kind of British household and, and he's, a lot of really bad food and then he discovers Catholicism. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for, you know, and that, and that, so you, when you convert, at least in my experience, because Michael, you were probably in a better situation because you were at least in high church Anglicanism, but I came from, you know, sort of liberal Presbyterianism for a while and, you know, liberal Anglicanism for, or Episcopalianism for a while. And so coming into the church was a real, you know, it was really, it was, a, it was, a, it was, it was, yeah, I, I felt like, a, you know, it's like, oh, this is finally, you know, we, we found something. I, I have to say that reading Balthazar over the years has really helped me not to have an overly idealistic view of, of the pilgrim church. And I mean, sure. I mean, he says this thing one time, he's the old medieval adage is the entire church can't go wrong for long on a matter of central importance. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not a, a glowing... You know, that's not my, you know, and Let's gonna, not bicker
1: about who rebuked you, eh? <laughs> long could
2: be a century or two,
1: you know? <laughs> you, know, you, know yeah. time then, you
3: know, so <laughs> I, you don't want to get too, I don't think, as a Protestant, you don't want to get too idealistic about what the church in time at any given moment might actually look like in its fallen members in, in whatever state it's in and, and i take i take comfort in in knowing that you know christ is on the throne and and the church will the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that doesn't make me happy about our current circumstances but it does i it, i think if we're going to try to think in a theological perspective it's important to remember that you know uh the the church is immaculate in the, in the heart of mary but but almost nowhere else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way of putting it. Certainly not in me. I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, Michael, same, same question. I mean, does it, does it anger you? It's it's a complicated
2: question and I could spend a long time answering it and I, I could get very personal, which I'll try not to do. Um, you know, my, my my conversion was a little bit different, I think, than than many folks, and and it was delayed in part because um, I saw what the Catholic Church looked like,
1: <laughs> you know,
2: and 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 I, you know, I I was under no illusions about the state um, uh, when I came, and I didn't come like like many Protestants because I was suffering a crisis of the of authority in my own denomination. I. I didn't leave Anglicanism um, because I hated it. Uh, I left it in spite of the fact that I still loved it um, because it it was beautiful um, and and profound and it taught me to pray, et et cetera, et cetera. Um, But one time, one of the very first things, I hadn't even been Catholic very long when I came to work at the Institute and one of the first things we did was the faculty went to Rome um, for a, a, a meeting with the, uh, uh, well, with the Worldwide Institute. Uh, and I hadn't been Catholic very long and David's father who was the Dean asked me, he said, well, you know, this was my first experience of sort of Roman Catholicism and, and uh, um, you know, deferential clerical speeches, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was kind of an interesting world. And he, you know, he asked me how, you know, how I felt now that I was on this side. And I said, well, I, you know, I feel like I gave up the beautiful for the good and the true
0: um, <laughs> um,
2: um and, yeah. and, and and that really and i was joking of course but it did kind of solve i mean, i recognized in the church the fullness of uh, of the faith um and therefore to and not only did i recognize that but you know in my own personal um academic career and journey i made a decision to to try and serve that by by, by working and 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 teaching at the john paul ii institute um and to feel now like that um uh is under such assault from within yeah um yeah it anger is one of the the responses <laughs> it's not the only one you know it, it's it, it, it it's very sad it's you know it's it's not great right for one's um uh uh personal faith journey. I mean, you have one, well, you know, you really have to hold on to the rope. Um, and, you know, and remember, this is why, you know, I go back to Augustine and remind myself of eternity, um, uh, which we don't hear much about in the church these days, you no. know, um, uh, but you sure, you sure hear about it with him. And it's, it's, it's saved me more than once. Um, uh, both of us are as well. Piggy um, uh, is uh, a, 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 a a stone sticking out of a raging river to, you know, to hold yeah. on to, to cling to, to keep from being from being washed away. But the answer to your question, uh, Larry, is, is, is yeah, it's hard. Yeah, um, I it's, it. I don't, But you know, I don't know that it's any harder as a convert uh, than it is as a cradle Catholic who loves the Church and who um, has stri- has striven to be to be faithful to it, and who has you know who's not ideological or does not, you know, identify being Catholic with being a neo-con-Americanist Republican, all the various sort of caricatures that are heaped upon, uh, you know, anyone who has reservations about the current zeitgeist, just ordinary Catholics who have, have, have loved the church and tried to live faithful Catholic lives. Some, you know, and I don't want to open this can of worms, you know, some in, uh, the more traditionalist wing and in the old, and in the old liturgy, you know, who, Um, now find themselves, um, yeah, in a difficult spot, feeling spurned, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as a cradle cat, I don't feel angry. I don't feel sad. I feel impatient in the sense that an impatience that, that leads to, you know, when you encounter something really stupid, and the person who holds the stupidity is firmly convinced that they're right, and, and you don't know what you're talking about, and, and so that leads to an annoyance. So I'm impatient and annoyed, and at the at the sheer stupidity of it all, which leads to a kind of pity, more 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 than uh, more than anger. And anyway, um, I would
2: have that response more if the stupidity weren't also accompanied. It seems to me by a good deal of dishonesty. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of dishonesty in the way the synodology and
0: and, and abuse of power. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. There are all sorts of things that you could
1: list there. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Do you want to list them?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I but I, I do <laughs> want to say. I mean, that that's um, uh, uh, just you, Michael. You mentioned being in Rome. I mean, being in Rome not so long ago, uh, um, walking around the you know these ancient churches, and you you realize you you can't take too seriously what's going on now i mean the the, the, the church is a, is a permanent reality and um, I, to to me that always relativizes these questions if i you know if i thought that the the present state of the church was the whole thing i you know i you, you couldn't respect anybody who remained catholic in fact but i mean you know that the 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 the, the, the uh, I mean, we've just mentioned people. You know, Augustine and Piggy and and, and I mean, you 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 look at these figures and you realize they they are people that you can, um, you know, hitch your 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 cart to. I suppose that's a that's a lousy metaphor, but I mean, you really, I mean, they they there's there's they represent something that you have no doubt. Is is good, true, and beautiful all all, all at once, and uh, a kind of uh, um, uh, sublimity of the of of human spirit and just and Catholic sensibility, and 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 you compare that to you know what what else is there? Um, as Walker Percy once once yeah. Uh, yeah answered to the question, "Why did you become Catholic?" You know, what else is there? <laughs> they said, "Well, you know, Buddhism." There's this, and he said again. What else is there? You know, I mean, you um, uh, you 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 look at these figures, and and that, that's, I mean, that's, con- I find consolation in 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 these in these figures, but it does, you know, it does make the time that we live in, you know, painful, um, but painful in a way that you you also, uh, uh, you know, in a certain sense, this is a really exciting time to be alive. I mean, I don't know if we think about that often enough, but uh, I precisely because of the depth of the human degradation going yeah. on there, there, there are ways that, that that questions are coming up the, that, that, that um, uh, uh, things are being set into relief that had just been taken for granted for so long that that there's there's a kind of a drama to existence that we that, that you know that we can participate in that that is a you know it's a that's a blessing in a
1: way, it's a blessing.
2: It's not often you that... get a front row seat to the collapse of civilization. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. We're living the a, a, a fall of Rome moment. Maybe one of you will write the equivalent of the city of God. <laughs> I just wanted uh, to say real quick though, Larry, that actually Dave just articulated the actual people of God ecclesiology,
0: right? Yeah. It's no, the Sanctorum. yeah.
1: yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That brings, uh, you know, we, we, we have some time left and I, the, the sort of, You know, it's 60 years since the opening of the Second Vatican Council, so I want to tie this in a little bit to the legacy of of, of Vatican II, and of course, there's a million different opinions out there, Uh, and. I've written against in Catholic Report and the National Catholic Register uh, against this narrative that's emerged that John Paul's papacy represented a council interrupted, uh, only now to be taken up again uh, by, by Pope Francis. But then there's also emerged this sort of radical traditionalist narrative that right. the council was a merry it was merely a pastoral council. And since the disaster happened, it, it obviously failed in its stated aims. And of course, I think both narratives are false because in, in, in my view, uh, when you say the council was pastoral, you, you, it conjures up an image of, well, it's concerned with the nuts and bolts of the church and strategies and prudential, no the church was past the Vatican was pastoral pastoral the sense that it sought to renew theology. This was a theological event, the council. It was <laughs> largely a council of theologians for other theologians, which is what gave it its unique discursive uh, linguistic style that a lot of critics like to, to go out. It's different from, there's no anathemas or canons or whatnot. It's all this discursive. It's because it's theological. So for me, 60 years later, the legacy of this council is the ressourcement theology that that it promoted, that it ensconced, and that this is a project that remains completely unfinished. Uh, In in large part, though, I think Vatican II is at fault for this, for not making its hermeneutical keys more explicit, perhaps, Uh, but maybe I'm wrong about that. John Paul and Benedict, I thought, make those hermeneutical keys more explicit. So what I would like to talk about now is whether or not, number one, do you agree with that analysis? I mean, the Council could be other things as well, uh, that that it it represents, it goes to what you said, Dave, there's a very interesting times we live in, and it's a unique moment I think Taylor made to the kind of explosion of absolutely profound theology that's going on right now, that's being that that is the fruit and the product of the ongoing development of the resource Mont school that is being ignored. It seems to me uh, in the larger Catholic economy, we're certainly being ignored in Rome. So I, I'd like to throw that open for conversation, Rodney. Let's start could, with you this time. Could, could to... I could go. I just add one little go, bit go, there? Go, though? Sure. I mean, uh, uh, there's a,
0: there's also a, a a pretty powerful stream that identifies John Paul II and Benedict with Vatican II. Uh, precisely as a, a betrayal of the church, um, you know, right, right, exactly. ultra traditionalists. Uh, That—that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. You—you you didn't mention yes. that, but i, I think that's um, that that it's that's implied. Like, yeah, and and uh, it's it it um it's a it's a it's a a, a a reference point that needs to be taken into serious consideration in
1: answering your question. Well, absolutely. I mean, it it it's it has led to this, the most benign construction you can put on the traditionalist rejection of Vatican II is like, well, we just need to ignore it because it's pastorally irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. But it's increasingly vicious in, and yeah. in, and actually once again stupid in it and its theological takedown of the council and therefore also a a, a repudiation of the papacies of John Paul and Benedict. So you're 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 absolutely correct. That's that's the narrative that that needs to be combated and combated strongly. Rodney, I want to I want to start with you if you can comment on this.
3: Yeah. So um, you, you I, I would begin with maybe with a a, a, a paraphrase or a yeah, paraphrase of a Chesterton or a borrowing of a Chesterton quote, but for a different context. Is uh, what did he say? Christianity has not been tried and failed. It's been found difficult and not tried. And and I think. I think the the approach of communio school at the Second Vatican Council was is a difficult path. Why? Right? So so one way of, of making it easy to live in a post-Christendom situation is to bunker down inside the church and speak to other people in a language that only people in the church understand, you know, kind of what Balthazar once called medievalese, right? So you sort of just hunker down and you keep repeating, uh, you know, commentaries on Thomas or whatever, um, while sor- sor- sort of hurling insults <laughs> at the modern world, which it no doubt deserved, I mean, in many ways, right? So that that's, but that's kind of still Christendom. It's just Christendom at the expense of having to go out into the world and love the world and and be the salt of the world and things like that, and then of course the other side is let's recreate Christendom by getting rid of all the things that make us different from the world, and then we have Christendom again because we're all one big happy family. The world and the church are the same, and everything's wonderful. Both of those paths are actually kind of easy if you think about it. But but <laughs> what, what what the it seems to be what the Delu Box and the Rotzingers and the and the and you know, et cetera. And the Daniel. The Louis Blondells. And, yeah, the Blondells are calling for is at once to be absolutely faithful to the tradition in the in the in the in the, in the biggest sense of the word fidelity, like even even more faithful than some of the little T traditionalism that you see, right? right. Really, really right. go back to the depths and really recover and, and try to be faithful. And yet at the same time without any any desire whatsoever of abandoning the world to hell in a handbasket kind of mentality. That is a very, very difficult task for all of us as individual Christians, for the church as the church. And I don't think that task has really been tried. I mean, I think John Paul II and Benedict in in their papacies, they they kept beating that drum, but I don't know that the church as a whole really thinks that they can do that. So you're going to have the trads who are still hunkering down. You're going to have the, you know, Massimo's of the world, like, Hey, we're everybody's fine, you know, but that, that would be my take, you know, just in, yeah. sort of in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Dave, go ahead. So, uh, the, you know, one of the assumptions is that um, in, in, in so many of these discussions is that uh, modernity is pro world. You know, so so you're either yeah. you're either in favor of the world, in which case you're you're sympathetic with modernity or you're uh, defending the church, in which case you hate. I mean, um, and you're exactly right, Rodney. I mean, you always miss, you know, the comunio thing is is that um, you hate modernity because it betrays the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, the problem with modernity is precisely that it doesn't enter into the world and doesn't love the world and, 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 uh, 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 betrays it in, 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 in so many different respects. And I mean, you know, so so I, I think that's something that really needs we that really needs we face. And that, that's one of the reasons I think you can call Vatican II. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think of it as a theological event precisely as pastoral, that, that um, the very um, effort to love the world in a deep way, in a non-modern way, I think in the proper reading, you know, we can argue about what minority means. Um, that, that in itself, that, that's, a, that's a, a, a theological, that itself has a theological content so i mean it you know it complicates the judgment about what the nature of the council is when you start thinking about it in those terms and then one last comment what you say rodney uh, really beautifully about the two easy ways and you know not only are the two one of the reasons that those are the two easy ways is that they're the only ways that are visible in this um media driven this this kind of social media world, which again is is a betrayal of the world. It's not the world. Right. Um, that if you don't take one side or the other on that question, you simply don't. Your voice is just there's it's just not there. I mean you're you you do not exist for all intents and purposes. Yeah. yeah. And so, so and so <laughs> this 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 communal position is is disappearing. Um it's 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 not on the horizon in these discussions. It's really quite extraordinary.
1: Yeah. And Mike, before we go to you, I just want to piggyback on what you said, Dave, about modernity is actually anti-world. In reading Jennifer Martin's article on on Peggy, and I recalled so many things in my reading of Peggy from years ago, That the, the interesting thing is Peggy says something very similar where he says, believe it or not, modernity does not believe in historicity or flux or life, modernity (laughs) likes to mechanize and predict and control and stop the flow of life. Whereas actually Christianity, which preserves because because it preserves carnality and life, preserves a proper sense of historicity and flux and and those kinds. So it preserves a proper sense of the world as world in in the way that modernity does not. Anyway, Michael, uh, go ahead. Uh, I've got about five thoughts swirling around in my head all
2: at once. Let me see if I can put them in some kind of an order. I mean, first of all, I think your question, um, Larry, points immediately to, to, to what Dave ended on. Um, the idea that part of what the erasure um, of uh, the memory of John Paul II and Benedict XVI, the sort of will and intentional erasure by some of the people who are pushing a thoroughly in- progressive interpretation of the Council, is the erasure of is the erasure of the idea that there already is a magisterial interpretation of the council and has been for 34 years, and that there are people who articulate that. It's the obliteration. It's the the erasure of a communal interpretation of a council. And in in, in, in that sense, the emergence of a kind of traditionalism that rejects the council and acts as a foil is very useful, right? Because there's me, Fajoli, who represents the council, and then there are all these crazy traditionalist Trumpians who reject it missing entirely from that interpretation is the idea uh, that there is an alternative meaning to the council than the one that you're putting forward um, that is already established that um, uh, that can they can contest you point by point not just on historicist or sociologistic grounds but theologically on what on what's true what's consistent not only with the full range of conciliar documents but with the nature of god uh creation etc in other words theologically there's again no theology here so you're pointing to something very important which is the fact that um the meaning of the council is going to be and needs to be fought over and contested um for a long time there's a great deal at stake um in um not letting um this simply be erased now one of the ways to get at what is at stake is to take two steps back, back and ask, um, why is it that the question of the church in the modern world is such a vexed question in the first place? In other words, you know, why, is it, why would the council be necessary? Surely it's not only um, that there was this fusty old neo-scholasticism uh, that needed to be sort of jazzed and brought up to date, and and you know, um, uh, I mean, surely the entire point is not simply a It's Let's just embrace the modern world. If right. that's it, you're, you're, you're everything that's already been said about the the obliteration of any distinction between Catholicism and any other feel good movement would would hold. Presumably, and, and and answering that question would be part of what it would mean. Um, uh, to discern the signs of the times, which the council set out to do and continually commends to us. One of the things that's so remarkable about the progressive interpretation is how utterly oblivious it is to the nature of the times we are actually now living in. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, the, the, our, the, the, the failure to discern the meaning of our historical moment in terms of the, the historical forces and the currents politically, anthropologically, uh, et cetera, that are at te- technologically, that are absolutely engulfing us, right, right? these people no. are absolutely silent about that,
0: right,
2: um, and it seems to me that in its moment, um, theologically and, 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 and metaphysically understood, that the Second Vatican Council attempted to lay the groundwork for um, um, bridging an, an enormous chasm that emerges in the modern period between um, our historical existence you know, life and time that unfolds in novel and dramatic ways, and what is perennially and eternally true right. in, in, in 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 of God and of the church and, and of nature, um, and the complete or the apparent jettisoning of all of that by, um, um, what should we call them? We'll follow uh, Del Noche here, the neo-modernists. Yeah. Um, uh, represents not if you look at it that way it would not represent you know the authentic voice of the council it would represent one voice of the problem that the council was attempting to overcome um with its with its sacramental conception of the church with its christological and anthropological center which is um which affirms both the Thomistic understanding of of the, the, the human being and our historical existence i mean it's trying to hold together in a new synthesis things that um Uh, We're coming apart. Yeah. Uh, And now it seems to me they're coming apart again. And Mm -hmm. so you've got, you know, a traditionalism uh, that has no space for history uh, and a progressivism that has no space for eternity.
1: Yeah, yeah. To what extent? To what extent, you know, the, the, you say it's, it's the erasure of, of, of a magisterial interpretation of, of the council that's, that's, already, that's already been there. Communio has been sidelined and, and erased and so on. Uh, and they don't seem to understand the signs of the times and the crisis that is around us. And what, what strikes me is that perhaps what, what causes this is that is, uh, they bought into, this is Fukuyama on steroids, right? They, they bought into the notion that liberalism does represent in some sense the, the end point of something, that that it's an inevitable, uh, you know, to go to, to Del Noche, you know, it's it's part of this periodization of, of, of our existence from infantile stage to adult stage. Liberalism represents that adult stage. And there's an inchoate awareness that they have that, the kind of Catholicism that Communio represents makes no sense outside of a classical context, which they think is impossible. They think you you cannot go back to that. This is where we are. It's an inevitability, and we simply have to accommodate ourselves to it, or we're going to die. Am am I wrong about that? I think there's a great deal of that kind of thinking.
2: Well, it's, liberalism is certainly the end state of something, It's the end state of, of, of politics, of properly human self-government, and, and perhaps the human era. <laughs> we'll see, yeah, um, yeah. you know, as we move into, into, into kind of uh, a post-human one. Um, what I would like to put back, I mean, I you know, let's just provisionally accept that characterization for a moment. Um. What I would like to put back uh, to those who operate from within that milieu of thought, or the questions that I would look like to put back is okay. Then give me your doctrine of God. Yeah. Give me your doctrine of creation. Let me understand how that actually makes kind of a philosophical and ontological sense, given your commitment to the authority of of the sciences, your unquestioned commitment. The question of the commitment to the unquestionable authority of the sciences. Um, give me your um, uh philosophical anthropology right um of of how it is and you know spell it out how it is that a human being has an intrinsic meaning that's more than the 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 sum and aggregation of its parts given the nature of our of the biological sciences okay if this is if this is the view of what you're describing then give me the catholic faith along these these various doctrinal topoi and for that matter the, the 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 philosophy consonant with it that accompanies that. Let's see the whole picture uh, and understand what world we're operating yeah. in here.
0: Yeah, I mean, but this goes back to the point you were making earlier. I mean, that, and that's precisely what will there never happen. happen. They'll never, they'll, it'll <laughs> never be, and, and and the reason is the, the, the point that you made earlier about the paradigm shift, uh, it's not a better argument. It's not a, you know, so I mean, it's it's interesting in, in, in Larry's description of it, um, this, this this has to be embraced not because it's true, but right. because we have no choice. yeah this right. is you know in a w- in a way there's this kind of historical fatalism yeah. and uh, and it, it, exactly. it simply makes the, the, the points that you're raising irrelevant right. you know on their terms yeah. if that and just it's, that, it's, that just becomes a waste of time.
2: But yeah. in that case then let's admit that we're dealing with an entirely new Catholicism,
0: Well, a new new humanity. I mean, this is, that is post-human. That that stance is post-human. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It all comes
3: down to the fact, Michael, that we're too busy making the world a better place to be bothered by all this stuff. (laughs) And and, and we've already come to the assumption that liberalism has created a better world than, say, the Middle Ages or, you know, et et, et cetera, et cetera. So we can't be bothered. I mean, do you guys remember... (laughs) yeah, no, Just real quick. I mean, a, a few years ago, Terrence Tilley gave this talk at CTSA called Impasses in Christology or whatever. Three impasses in Christology. Just very quickly.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, yes. is, this,
3: this is. I'm telling you, this this speech is literally a sacrament of what you're talking about, Michael.
2: You're he, absolutely right. I remember so, it now. so
3: either Jesus Christ is the incarnate son of God or he was just a great prophet you know, wakening people up to, you like make it, you know, social justice and things like that. That's one of the impasses, you know, that you go through them and they're the most kind of absurd impasses. They're not impasses. If you're a Catholic, one is a, one is true and one's a heresy, (laughs) but but if you're coming to it from a CTSA perspective, these are, these are debates (laughs) among contemporary theologians. And then he kind of says, you know what, there's no way to settle these, but you know what we can do? We can join hands and make the world a better place so it's it that's what david's saying you that's you, the fact that you would ask these theological questions is like why would you do that you know
2: if, if i can say one <laughs> thing though in, re, in response to to what you just said rodney and i lost your precise formulation something about just being indifferent to the do you, re, do you recall how you said it? indifferent to the truth this? just not it can't be bothered with it it oh, yes. can't yes. be bothered yes. with too it's busy yeah yeah it's not that they can't be bothered. It's not just that they can't be bothered. I mean, you know, as I read and I, you know, I've read a fair bit of Fajoli, so you don't have to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a- a- as I look at what form of reasoning is operating here, like what reason is in this mode of thinking, there's actually no way to think about what's true. Yeah. In yeah. an right. ontological sense, it's not just that you can't be bothered. It's
0: that it can't be thought,
1: yeah, yeah. You can't be In you can't time. be
0: bothered by something you can't even
1: see. Yeah, right. Right. That's right. <clears throat> when it goes to the abuse of power uh, that you were talking about earlier, Dave uh, and Rodney, you bring up Terrence Tilly. I mean, Tilly. The thing is, he isn't just uh, a tiresome gas bag, which is what he is. <laughs> he's also he's also tyrannical. You talk about. I mean, when you say, "Let's can we just join hands?" He doesn't want to join hands with us. He doesn't mean that, and 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 uh, the, the 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 thing that strikes me about to go back to sin. I, I find that kind of a relief, frankly. <laughs> but that's that's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I I don't want to. I don't want to hold Terence's hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> metaphor or not, uh, I have this deep suspicion. Right to, to, to go back to what you were saying, Michael, about you know the, 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 you know there's no truth at all uh, that. Once the synodal process achieves the goal that it wants, whatever that might be, revision of moral theology, whatever, then the synodal process will end, right, uh, and, and, and the authoritarianism will kick in. We, we've seen this. I mean, it's part of my theme that this is a kind of recrudescence of the 70s, sort of all over, unreconstructed 70s, sort of all over again. And what we saw then was a lot of talk of dialogue until the liberals were in charge, and then all dialogue stopped. Um, and and that's what sort of the Terence Tillys of the world represent to me. And it's what I see, I think, going on in Rome right now, where you see the well, we don't want to get too much into the purging of the JP 2 Institute in Rome, uh, the purging of the Pontifical Academy for Life, uh, deposing a bishop in Puerto Rico without any due process, the suppression of ordinations in a vocationally successful diocese in France, is because the seminarians are traditionalists, um, not in a bad sense traditionalists, but, you know, more tradition-minded. Traditiones Custodes was a draconian unpastoral, non-dialogical, non-reaching out to the peripheries, autocratic document from on high. And it goes back to what you said, Michael, it's because the traditionalists provided a nice foil uh, to to what he wanted to achieve. Now, I'm kind of ranting right now and taking the conversation in a different direction. Um, But in some ways, I'm not, because it seems as if power is all you have left and process towards power is all you have left when truth is gone. And Is yeah. off the table.
0: That's,
2: That's
0: the irony. Yeah, That's and power and, and power and process are are on one on one level they might seem like opposites, but they're, 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 they're It's exactly the same thing. The flip side of the same coin.
1: It's why they're so sedulous about process yeah. and their committees. They're so sedulous about it. They're so serious about it uh, be, because it's it's a way of manipulating things. Uh, right. I mean, I mean, look look at. Traditionalist custodes That actually, then, it, the synodal pope now tells parishes what they can and cannot put in their parish bulletins in terms of advertising traditional Latin masses. Right? You you can have a traditional Latin mass, but you can't advertise it in your bulletin. How synodal is that? For crying out loud, you know, you know, Rome micromanaging parish bulletins in North Dakota. But anyway. Um, Anybody else on that on that on that topic before we, before we move on? Bulletins. <laughs> no, no, uh, on I'm the sure topic of. But uh, <laughs> <call. laughs> yeah. well, you can if you want. Uh, process, power, the 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 erasure of truth, um, all, all all that kind. of, Any last thoughts on that? No, like, it's per, you
2: know it's it, it's pervasive. I mean, uh, someone quoted to me. Someone someone did me the favor of not having to read the recent. Uh, Oh, uh, what's her name? Phyllis Zagano. I don't know Zagano.
1: how it. Oh, jeez. Yeah.
2: From is is that the is that the reporter? You know that
1: was no was that in Commonweal or the reporter? I can't. remember. I don't remember. I mean,
2: it's a distinction without a difference. Um, uh, but I read me a quote from it, and it it just it points to exactly what you're saying. I don't know anyone who's not championing the 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 Synodal process. Who doesn't who doesn't um whatever they they claim to think or however it's dressed, it's clear that it is about, I mean, just in the in, in the way that it's presented, the way that it's thought out, that it's about the 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 distribution of power. Yeah.
0: You know,
2: which yeah. means that it is a, about a syllogistic and or excuse me, sociologistic and fundamentally political rather than sacramental and theological conception of the church. Right. Yep.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I, I, I think, I think that that's that's become uh, that's become quite clear that that it that, that uh, anyway we 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 beat that horse. Well, we've gone on now for about an hour and a half. Uh, so perhaps we should uh, wrap things up. There were a few other things I wanted to talk about, but they're, they're, I'm tired and my brain isn't working very well. It's it's we can uh, do it again. Right. We yeah. yeah, we can we can we don't have to uh you know reinvent every wheel tonight, uh, but it is after ten o'clock. And I thank you gentlemen for your time. I thought this was an unbelievably rich conversation. I'm always so humbled that you two gentlemen, well, all three of you, but I'm Rodney as well. Two are, gentlemen are, uh... and Rodney. That... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You two gentlemen and Rodney. I'm used to that. Well, uh, the thing is, here's the deal. To, to defend myself here, you guys are guests. But when I have Rodney on the show, it's like he's still my colleague at the sales. So it's like he's the co-host of this, and uh, and uh, you you guys are the guests. But I I I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I, I have such. You guys give me hope for the future of the church. Uh, You're doing such great work at the Institute. I I am humbled by both your intellect and your generosity, and I am just blessed to count you as friends, and 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 very much thank you uh, for this conversation and for taking the time at the end of a long day, I'm sure, uh, to do this. Um, So thank you guys very much. You too, Hauser.
2: (laughs) Well, the feeling is very much mutual, Larry. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right, guys. And uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Cheers.